It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. It's the full goal presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. It was an interesting day in Chicago sports. You got the got the Cubs go out there and yakatow the Reds all around the yard. Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson out there looking like the the best second base shortstop combo in early Cubs history. I know, I know, it's too early to say all that, but no, it's, it, the boys are looking good. They're hitting the ball, you know. Patty Wisdom, our guy Patty Knowledge out there driving in runs. They did it all without a home run. And Hayden Wisniewski, a guy that our guy Lawrence Holmes told us to be on the lookout for, uh, twirling, not a gem, but he went out there and gave him a few strong innings. I mean, right now, if you're a Cubs fan, just be happy about the offensive output of the top three in that lineup. You know, Horner. Dansby Swanson and of course Ian Happ, uh, who is, is really really gonna get paid here soon. I mean, you know, three for four, uh, hitting four thirty eight on the season, two walks, and even Dansby Swanson, he didn't get a hit, but he walked three times. So Chicago baseball is feeling like it's supposed to feel on the north side and on the south side. You know, get get to lick your wounds because uh, Michael Kopech got his uh, got his face kicked in uh, against the San Francisco Giants. That's one of those games where you're like, man. Do they have the pitches? Like, are they are they tracking something? Um, your man Michael Kopech stays in those those heavy counts, man. Every counts two two three two. But on the baseball side of things, it's uh, it, you know, this is very early. So both sides of town have something to be enthused about. Uh, what episode is this? Episode two twenty eight. Two twenty eight. Episode. Everything revolves yeah, around two two seven for me. So I already knew this was two two eight. For it, for it, for real. Uh, welcome into the Full Go Podcast. I guess you know we've already given you the, the the lowdown on Chicago baseball, but welcome in to the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. That voice that you already heard is that of Tony Gill. Our guy Jesse Lopez is not with us tonight. Uh, man, the Bulls. <laughs> the Bulls clinch their spot in the play-in tournament with an Orlando Magic loss, but with no Trey Young and no DeAndre Hunter for the Atlanta Hawks, they fall to them. And the game, I mean, the Bulls are trailing the entire game. Bulls are playing uphill the entire game. 
They gave up 70 points. Uh, 65, I should say, not 70. Don't let me get crazy out here. That was, that was to the Grizzlies the other day. They gave up 70 in the first half. They gave up 65 points in the first half to a team that I, I love DeJounte Murray as much as the next guy, but John Collins is is a, uh, a quantifiable asset at this point, like an entity, I should say, a quantifiable entity at this point. He's a good player, but nothing, nothing to write home about. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who has been a Bulls killer the last couple of years, just absolutely outstanding once again. No excuse for it, though. The Hawks got off to a 9-2 start in a game that was very important for both teams. Tiebreaker-wise, a week from today, you could be seeing this team uh, at the United Center with a healthy Trey Young, most likely. So to send that statement and to also um, let them know that you know, this is where this is where the scene of the crime is going to be next time. Uh, the Bulls did not capitalize on that opportunity. Zach Levine, after the game, asked about it. Uh, 79 games into the season, people are still talking about urgency. Uh, he said, quote, they wanted it more than we did, which is the, I guess, the theme of the season for half the Bulls games this year. Um, and we're going to get into this a lot more, I think, coming into the offseason and after the play-in tournament. And if they do make it past the play-in tournament after the first round of the playoffs, which I think was where the Bulls ride will stop. Um, the Nikola Vucevic piece is very interesting. This is another one of those games where Vuce was just absolutely ignored for much of the game and poor recognition when it came to matchups and having the, the matchup uh, advantage Bogdan Bogdanovich was on Vucevic's hip uh, too many times tonight for them not to give him the ball as much as he should have got the ball. They had 16 assists tonight. I mean, you can already tell what kind of game it's going to be when the Bulls aren't moving the basketball. Kobe White continued his strong play, but there's going to be decisions that have to be made, not just next season, but at the end of this season too, because there are too many donuts in that starting lineup. You know, Alex Caruso did not score tonight. Uh, Patrick Beverly has not been scoring that well as of late. I mean, he's not known as a scorer, but he gave you some some games where you, you felt like, okay, you could flow to him being the, in the starting lineup. Uh, Patrick Williams at 15 tonight. I think it might be time for him to go back into that starting lineup. I know it's matchup based, and I know they'll be seeing the, the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo on Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to see if Patrick slides back into that starting lineup. But, yeah, this team is uh, – this team is – the land of misfit toys, man. They're trying to fit it together, trying to figure it out. And that's why there's been no consistency game in and game out with this team. Um, and we're going to get into uh, wrong coach, right coach this offseason as well when it comes to the Bulls. Because I don't think Billy Donovan is a bad coach. I just don't know if his voice is re- um, resonating the way that it should with a lot of these guys because what are the consequences for not playing the style of basketball that this team has to play in order for them to accentuate as many positives as possible and if it's not getting through via the coach if it's not getting through via the players then you have to go outside and bring somebody into the locker room that'll keep their attention uh keep their their urgency at a premium level and patrick beverly then you know maybe we got some things to talk about so that uh, it was an upsetting loss, to say the least, against the Atlanta Hawks. I know the Bulls have played well. I know they have played well over the last 10 games, but they put themselves in this position where they can't afford to come out slow and to come out sluggish and come out lethargic against a team that is also playing for their playing lives as well. Right? This is a team without their best player and their best perimeter defender, two of their key weapons in their lineup, and you come out with a piss-poor effort like they did uh, it's been it's been this way all season long, uh, and although people out there think I'm some kind of Bulls hater, I, I could not be further from a Bulls hater. I'm a big Bulls fan. <laughs> That's why my expectations are high when I see the amount of talent that they have amassed and what they've done with it. Um, so going forward, we're going to find out here over these next few games uh, what their lot in playing life will be. And if it's against the Raptors, that ain't no walk in the park. We've seen what Nick Nurse has done defensively against this team to get the ball out of the hands of their premier players. And the, all these slow starts, I mean, this can be um, a harbinger for things to come in the play-in tournament. You get get off to a slow start against the Toronto Raptors, let them get out 15-3 to three or 15-4 to four or something like that. You can you can nail you can mail that one in because the Bulls don't have the luxury of you getting off to a slow start and also not shooting volume three pointers or being accurate from the three point arc. 
All right? Three-point game is like the passing game in football. If I'm down by two touchdowns and all I am is a running team, well, that might as well be four touchdowns. And that's what it is with the Bulls. They have to play stellar basketball, mistake-free basketball in these second halves. And we think, oh, look at the Bulls. They turned the corner. No. They forced themselves to play perfect basketball, and every once in a while they play perfect basketball. So which one is it? Are you going to play perfect basketball all the time, or are you going to give yourself some wiggle room for mistakes, a little margin for error by playing the kind of basketball, the style of basketball that they need to play, which was inside out to Vooch. And the reason why we sound so archaic and so old school with this is because of the way the team is built. So going forward here, these next three games, I'm going to be reading people's body language and listening to some of these quotes, and you should too, because this is the beginning of next season for me right now, this area right here. We're trying to figure out who can go and who can't go, right? You look around every once in a while in relationships say, hey, everybody can't go. You cut friends, you cut partners, you cut relationships, you cut business ties, whatever the case may be, because sometimes it does not prove advantageous or beneficial for you to continue this way. I don't know how Bulls fans or Bulls organization members or this Bulls coaching staff or this Bulls team can sit around and say, this is okay. It's not. It's not telling people that you they, this another team came out and wanted it more than you did telling a home crowd that especially I mean <laughs> you got people paying premium dollar for United Center tickets only to hear two and a half hours two hours and 25 minutes later that the other team wanted it more than you did in game 79 where you're playing for your playing lives and tiebreaker lives as well with the Atlanta Hawks you were up two to one in this series now it's two two. Now tiebreaker goes to your Eastern Conference opponent, which, by the way, the next couple of games, you got Eastern Conference opponents. So now you're playing double tiebreaker action with the the Atlanta Hawks because you messed around and gave up a game that you shouldn't have gave up at the crib. At the crib. Now, I know you can celebrate 7 out of 10 all you want, but they put themselves in this position to be scrutinized this way. I would love to be talking about a Bulls team at this point in the season that is playing Dale and Terry and playing Patrick Williams 35 minutes a game and starting Io DeSumo so they could rest guys like Alex Caruso and, 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 and playing Marco Simonovic in the fourth quarters of these games because they don't matter because the Bulls have won the 45, 46, 47 games that you expected them to win and they've got one of those top six spots locked up. But we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is another instance where we have to talk about this team not stepping up to the plate immediately to start a game. The energy and the focus aren't there. And that's on everybody. You can spread the blame around like peanut butter all you want. Put it on the coaches, put it on Zach, put it on DeMar, put it on the leaders, put it on Vooch, put it on anybody you want. In the end, it's 123 to 108 against a team that doesn't have Trey Young and doesn't have DeAndre Hunter. Against a team that has been up and down all year long, just like you. It's not like you had some juggernaut role in here. And now watch what happens. We, we record right now, what, Tuesday, 1030 so, or so, Tuesday night. Watch they go out and play their ass off against the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday. And it'd be all for naught. Because you didn't do what you were supposed to do against a wounded squad. Man, 82 games truly shows you. Like, I love NBA basketball because 82 games going to tell you the truth no matter if you like it or not. And this is what the truth has become for this team. The highs are incredibly high, but the lows are way too low and too consistent for my liking. (laughs) I like higher highs and keeping high. Do with that what you will. (laughs) But I don't like my lows to be this consistent and to be this predictable, to be honest with you. That's the part I hate. They got off to a 9-2 start. I knew the Bulls were in trouble. 9-2. Bogdan Bogdanovich scored seven of the nine points to start the game. As if he wasn't on the scouting report as the only guy that you really have to worry about offensively on this team tonight. So, hey man, if you want to celebrate the playing tournament, knock yourself out. Um, I was was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, saw some pretty cool shit from 92 to 98. Well, 91 to 98, I should say. I, I, I'm not the one to be celebrating playing tournaments. And they couldn't even. You can find somebody else for that. They couldn't even take it, Jay. <laughs> they backed in into the tent. Yeah. That, that made it feel real yeah. gross. Yeah. You had to, yeah, you had to get some help from Wendell Carter Jr. and the boys. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know, man. All right. Well, time for us, Tony, to uh, talk about some things that are more fun, uh, more intriguing, uh, more fascinating, like the story of Michael Jordan and the sneaker culture that was born. The Air movie uh, produced by Ben Affleck starring Matt Damon is coming out and it will be in theaters when this pod drops. I'm looking forward to go checking it out. And the reason I'm looking forward to go and checking it out is because it chronicles the life and times and the acquisition uh, of one of the great players and great marketing, I guess, vehicles in history in Michael Jordan and the Jordan shoe and Nike's relevancy in today's culture, whether it be hip hop culture, pop culture, American culture, the, the icon that is Sonny Vaccaro. When we talk about sports marketing, when we talk about basketball, I mean, my man Will Purdue and I were talking about it today at the gig, and Will said, that guy knows where all the bodies are buried. And he was being facetious, obviously. That's the thing that you say about the dudes who are in the know. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but, man, Sonny Vaccaro uh, was a delight to, to get a chance to talk to him earlier today. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I remember talking to this man 20 years ago and him telling me about LeBron James having him at the camp at thinking that he was going to be the best player he had ever seen. Uh, you know, fast forward 22, 23 joints later, next thing you know, we're talking about LeBron as being the all-time scoring leader in NBA history. All these stories that you are about to hear, um, there are about three or four of them that I had no clue about. Uh, stay tuned for the Chicago basketball portion of this interview as well. Um, Sonny Vaccaro, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when we when we get legends like this and we still have them in our, um, in our purview, in our world, uh, we should uh, tap these natural resources as much as possible. This man is 80 plus years old and still kicking. And now he gets to be the centerpiece of a movie that will be hitting theaters when this pod is out on the streets. Ladies and gentlemen, sports marketing guru, uh, sports marketing executive uh, icon, uh, basketball legend, basketball figurehead, generational person when it comes to what this sneaker culture has become. Sonny Vaccaro right here on the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back with more of the Full Go with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Sonny may not remember this, and we, we're going to talk about air, but... Sonny Vaccaro is very important to not only everyone in the city of Chicago for numerous reasons, but also uh, in the time that I spent at 670 The Score as a producer, Sonny was always generous with his time coming on with Dan Jiggets and the guys that I produced for. Yeah, and and I'll never, ever forget, Sonny. Uh, it was about, eh, about about 20, yeah, about 21 years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. About 21 years ago, I had you on the phone getting ready to put you on with uh, with Dan, I believe. And we just started talking basketball because the commercial break was so long. And you said to me, Jason, I have the greatest basketball player of all time in my camp right now. And I went on from that moment and I was stuck on the young man that we've seen growing into the icon known as LeBron James. Um it, it was it was one of those moments that I will never ever forget. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that I told you, and I'm glad you remember it because a lot of people try to change history. You know that. So uh-huh. That's good, and I meant it, and I'm pretty prophetic. I, was <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, this is the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. We have the honor and privilege of hanging out for a couple of minutes right here with sports marketing icon, basketball icon, one of the legendary names and figures uh, of this generation and in this culture, Sonny Vaccaro joining us. Sonny, thank you so much for your time, man. I truly appreciate your presence. I'm glad to be on. I'm happy you asked me to come on. Thank you very much. All right. So... Uh, did you know Lolo's many years ago? 
You know, when 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 you were a young Sonny running around that, you know, you'd have a movie made about not only your career, but also the acquisition of one of the biggest sports figures known to man. How could I? It's easier to ask me the question, you know, as I went along in my life of spotting talent and picking out a kid in a game or seeing if he can kick a football. That would have mm-hmm. been easier. But there's something in life that I think all of us do. And I think all of us, you know, that are normal people that aren't, you know, aren't totally involved in like the arts of the world, like a singer or a dancer or a swimmer or whatever, or an athlete, because they're all special beings. They all have a special gift. So, but I think one of the, one of the things that all of us emulators that guy on a screen you know you fall in love with a girl up there you fall in love with a guy or you fall in love with a movie that you always remember every line how many of us go through remember the the line in that movie that movie i mean mm-hmm. 50 years later and then you wake up and you're 83 years old and you get a phone call one day and people that are very big in the movie business say they want to talk to me about something really serious and i'm going to meet them it's about michael jordan and you know a lot of people call me about michael but this was special, and they didn't really tell me the reason. But to answer your question mm. about that, and it turns out to be in this instance Matt Damon, who at a very young age does Goodwill Hunting with Ben. You know, he was like nine years old when he did that film, right? And <laughs> he's iconic. His movies are iconic. The roles he's played are iconic. Now he's going to be me, and we're going to watch it on the on that screen all over the world. This isn't like it was even with Michael. Television only has three channels: yeah, ABC, CBS, NBC. Hey, NBC, yeah. Radio sports was more popular than TV sports. You know, ESPN wasn't born yet. You know, they, 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 they have, you know, they give birth and all these other satellites and things that you're doing. So the movie, Matt, and being involved with the, the other eight people, because Pam and I were on the set of the movie for a whole day. I met everybody in person except Viola, and we met her at the party this weekend. Um, it's, it's it's mind-boggling. I've seen everyone. I've been fortunate. I, you know, I've you know traveled a lot of places. But when you're sitting there and you're talking to the movie star, the movie star, you know, you know, you, we have a lot. How many singers have you gone through? Right? What happens there? Well, the singer is like you go through every venue from lifetime. Everything's changed. The stars are changing. Who would ever thunk hip hop would be what it developed into? Mm. Look where it was, and it it changed everything. Well, that's that's what a singular movie on a singular a nonfiction movie does. Now, you got the basic the, the way the, the the sausage was made in this film. They didn't put everything in. They may have exaggerated some of the things and some of the sites were different. But you got the essence of one of the greatest athletes in the world with just something a shoe. The shoe changed the world, as as Viola said at the end. It's just a shoe until my son put his shoe. I thought that was the greatest line in a movie. So I witnessed everything, and this guy's paying me. He's playing me. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I could have been any of the other people. I could have been the guy. I could have been the guy at the Seven Eleven. But they asked, "Hey, do you think this guy's going to be good?" I said, ah, "I don't think so." Whatever. I, I'd have been happy being in a movie. But, yeah. But Matt playing me, and I'm playing all these opposite other great actors and great people. The nine other people. They're all all involved in this. Hopefully that answered it, young fella. No, nah, no problem. Hey, man, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the level of engagement. Air, the movie, in theaters when this pod drops. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro, the legend, joining us here on the Full Go Podcast. Sonny, you, talent evaluation and, and being able to spot the it factor. When did you know that that was something that you, know, you were special at, if, if I can throw that on you? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't think about it because there's things in your mind that my doctors told me that, you know, they just disappear until you use them again or think about them again. But I, I have proof of some knowledge of squatting talent when I started the Dapper Dan Round Ball Classic. I didn't know anything about these kids. I went to see some of them on, uh, you know, from Detroit or from all the kids of Pennsylvania personally. I used to take kids before that. The reason I was able to even get to the point of starting a Rombaugh Classic when I had graduated from Youngstown, you know, they kept me on scholarship because I got hurt. And I helped the basketball coach get basketball players from Pittsburgh area. And I just take those kids around and play in games around Pittsburgh area. 
it, it was a forefront runner to what AAU basketball is. Those tournaments were open after the season, after high school season. High school basketball at that time, especially in Western Pennsylvania, which was football country, all across the country, was sometimes bigger than college and certainly pro basketball in, in the 60s and 50s when I grew up. So I picked these kids and they proved to be pretty good. I picked pretty good kids for that game. I, I, I had sense. I actually went to Detroit and saw people play. I went to Ohio. You know, down, I used to drive, but I couldn't drive to California, so I had to use the books to tell me. But I think the real test came to me uh, was before Michael, when I saw a kid named Raymond Lewis out in California who died tragically. They made a special on him, too, who was the best high school player. Now, this is in the 1970s, so I hadn't seen him a lot. And if you go back and research, my, we don't have time, Jace, because you want to talk about other things. No, we, hey, we, hey, your, okay, okay. your time okay. is my time, man. I listen. Okay. I'm, I'm right. soaking well, it I'm up. On the clock. I'm usually on the clock. <laughs> no, nah, not at all, brother. So <laughs> I, see, I see this kid, uh, Raymond Lewis, and uh, Tarkanian loved him. I'm living in Los Angeles, Las Vegas at that time, and Jerry was a close friend of mine uh, before Nike, and uh, he was coaching at Long Beach State, and he wanted to get this kid. and He told me about him, so I go watch a game. Um, in uh, in high school, and uh, he's pretty damn good. Now they're in college. It's the next year I go see a game again. I just remember he was one of 100 guys, and I didn't pick him to play in a round ball at that time. Um, and I go to this college game, and uh, he's a freshman. It's uh, Los Angeles State uh, College. They're playing Tarkanian. Tarkanian was as good as UCLA in those days at Long Beach. They had four guys on the mm-hmm. team that played. I watched this kid get 48 points against Tarkanian. I watched them beat Tarkanian with Long Island City College. That's what their name was. And I fell in love, and I knew. From there, I had a relationship with Raymond. Uh, he came around to me. He, de- he never went, uh, you know, he went one year, and he went pro right after that, and he came to me to help him. He flew to my home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at that time from Los Angeles. I put him up, and I arranged a game with uh, the, the players at the University of Pittsburgh because I knew Tim Gergerich very well. Timmy's now in the NBA, and he's a great mm-hmm. coach. He was the assistant at Pitt, and uh, they had the Pitt players play. And I bring old Raymond in, and he screams. And I had Lou Conseco, who was the coach of the New New Island, you know, the New York ABA team. ABA had just started. They couldn't go right. to the NBA, but he wanted to go to the ABA. And I arranged a pickup. So we get a pickup, and, you know, and Louie comes down and sees him. And Louie stops, to, you know, he, he, when he's home, he tells me he wants him. So I picked out Raymond Lewin, George Gervin, all these kids before I even got to, I, I knew George, I represented him to go to the Virginia Squires because I knew who he was as a high school player. So I had an intuitive thing about seeing. I mean, I never, I never saw Kobe play until, you know, he, he came to the first ABCD camp. He was in Italy. He comes to ABCD camp because his father was the most valuable player at the Round Ball Classic in 1972. His mother's brother, Chubby Cox, her name was Pam Cox, played in the Round Ball. He was very, very good. So I knew both parents. So this kid had disappeared. I never knew they had children. I never knew they got married, actually. I never talked to Joe since 1972. <laughs> he, comes, he comes from Italy, and he calls Gary Charles, who was very, very close to me at the time, and still is. And he tells him about this kid, his son, and he knows Mr. Vaccaro, Sandy Vaccaro, because of the Round Ball. Gary gets a hold of me. We invite Kobe to camp. Kobe comes to camp, and he comes there. At this time, I'm working for Adidas. I mm. they moved me to they moved me to New York. They rented an apartment for me in New York, so I wanted the freedom to not to know to Nike or anybody else that I'm looking for talent. But I'm there looking for high school kids, you know, uh, college kids. I need to find I need to find Peter Moore and Adidas. I'm Michael Jordan. That's mm. basically the truth is okay. So now he brings him, and Kobe Bryant says to me. He comes over and thanks me for, uh, you know, inviting him to camp. And I said, I'm glad to, and I'm looking forward, and I'll come back next year. Then he says something unbelievably strange. The only thing I ever resonated in my mind was Michael Jordan, you know, 20 years or 15 years before that. Kobe said, I'm disappointed. Why are you disappointed? Because I didn't do what I want to do. He said, Mr. Brown, I want to tell you something. I'm going to come back to camp next year, and I'm going to be the best player here. Now you remember ABCD camp. We had everybody at the we we kicked yes. the out of excuse me. We kicked no, you're good. You're good. We're uncensored here on the full go. <laughs> ABCD camp was the forerunner 
all the the only camp LeBron went to was the ABCD camp. He never went. To I Nike. remember that. Yeah. yeah, the famous game against uh, you know Lenny Cook. Yeah, had famous games every Stephon Marbury, everybody. Kid from Chicago. I had a kid from Chicago. You know, I don't want to talk about that. Remind me about my kid from Chicago. But yeah, I got you. Anyway, that's why I knew Kobe. Because I'm going to now put something in there about Michael. Why did I know? I never saw Kobe play a high school game. Mm. Gary and I went to visit his parents, but we made the. I went to see Kerry Kittles at Villanova because he was on the. He was in lottery pick. He would have been a good choice to pick for Adidas. He was a very good player. But I this kid at camp impressed the heck out of me. His his drive kicked ahead of mine. But thirteen years later, after we signed Michael, one of those years, uh, we made a tour of Europe. Michael and myself, my wife Howard White went with us of the Olympic Games uh, ninety whenever they were ninety two in Europe. Mm-hmm. We went over and Michael put the the shovel in the sand, or, you know, to, to for the first thing. Yeah. And we went to Germany, and then we went to uh, Paris, and, and we went to the army base in Germany because his brother was in the army, and they played an exhibition game there against the army team. And Michael played for half for Team A and half for Team B. Here's the part that the world doesn't know until this last month. So we're at the game, and Michael goes into the latrine. That's what they called him at that time, into the latrine. <laughs> and the, the girls don't know what the latrine was. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> and, uh, and H tells me, Sonny, you know, Michael was here. See what, you know, go, where'd he go? He goes to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom and I walk into the train and Michael's there, but he's not at the train, thank God, because he'd been there for 20 minutes. And I said, Mike, we got to go. You know, they're getting ready to start. As God is my judge, he's sitting on the, the bench in the train that you're familiar with, mm-hmm. building the basketball. He turns to me, he picks the ball up. He said, give me another two minutes. What Michael Jordan was doing, was doing that, that minute, so five minutes, was getting ready to play a game against the Army team. Once That's what Michael and guys like Michael and Kobe and these kids, you know, LeBron, all these kids, they had that extra thing in them. Like when Kobe comes over to me, he wasn't worried that he made the All-Star team that year. He wasn't worried about what was going to happen next year when he was going to make All-American teams. He told me to my face, I'm going to be the best player here. We had 140 kids come to those camps. They were all the best. You had to be the best to get there. But he, I knew then that the mental thing, like, it, now obviously I knew more about Michael, but I remembered the Michael scene so I could tell kids in the future how devoted he was to being the best. He didn't change it because when he was in Europe, he was Michael. He was nike he was air jordan the posters everything else he already was that man that kobe wanted to be you know all these kids want to be those guys at 17 or now 15 okay so those are the stories that that stay in my mind that the public doesn't know and i'm going to tell you something i told you about Raymond lewis and he 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 didn't make it because he got involved with drugs and he had a short but he was brilliant never had a chance the one I take to my grave forever with me is who? Benji. Oh, Ben Wilson. Yeah. I, Benji. Ben Wilson. I saw Benji at the ABCD camp, first time in my life. He was a nobody. Nobody, ladies and gentlemen, listening and watching the show. And he was the best. I remember Benji. And I went down and congratulated him. Everybody, it was like Tracy McGrady later when you know no one knew who the hell he was because his high school coach wouldn't let him play. Well, Benji, we got him to camp. They did know. He was voted the number one player, not only at the camp, in America, going into his senior year over to high school. I became close to him because I was in competition now for my, my the round ball classic, mm-hmm. you know, all that, the one that you had seen you know, when I was there. And at that time, we were somewhere else. We weren't in Chicago at that time. And, um, and so I'm talking to Benji, and, you know, he's, we had a thing because I, I sent his mother letters. And that, you had letters in that time. You didn't have emails and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. so, so Benji and I, there was that confectionery store, that little grocery store right down the block from him where he ended up getting shot. There was a payphone outside. And Benji would call me collect. He'd call collect. And I'd always say, I'm not here. Okay. Then he'd hang up. But I knew that he was at this there and there waiting. And he, I had, you know, he told me the number. 
And I wrote it down. I mean, that was our code. We talked three or four times in that thing. And I talked to him the, the day before he got murdered. So, and I talked to him about, don't forget, tell your mom to send the application in so I can, you know, you're in, you're playing in a round book. That was competitive. There were three games then. There wasn't like two. And if you remember, the NCAA and their horrible wisdom took took a game away from the kids because they didn't want them around. They didn't, really didn't want me to succeed because Nike had a game, Jordan had a game, and, you know, then now I, I still have the first game. So I'm interested. That's the reason I talk. But ladies and gentlemen, Benji's lost more than is a human being and more as a child and the father and all that. If you're just talking about basketball, when, when uh, Jason asked me the best, that week at the ABC camp, because I wasn't like Raymond or I had other chances to see him you know, in other places, mm-hmm. because I followed his career. He was obviously a McDonald's All-American, played in my game. He ended up the most valuable player in the same game. His dad did. I, I knew all those kids because there was more access to those kids. The camps were all over the country. But I don't think anybody before then ever knew of Benji. And I think the turning point was when, you know, Benji's mom called me and asked me, you know, he got, he got murdered and, and they were suing people and they gave the value on his life. What would it could have been? Well, I wasn't in the business then of, you know, what I was doing for high school kids, telling the kids who wanted one and done that they can go right out of high school and, and I, I knew all the NBA people. I knew what their value was. And I wasn't afraid to tell everybody. And everyone got mad at me for that because I told kids that they should, they should, they could leave and earn a hell of a lot of money or stay and do whatever you want to do. And, and I had no, no one way or another. But somehow someone told Benji's mother that story. His lawyers got a hold of me and a guy named Chris Walsh, who was the general manager of the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. You know, just recently, Chris, I'd known Chris since he was a kid. And, it, and we were going to be the witnesses for whatever. And I remember, because I saw the transcript, they, they interrogated me for two hours in, a, in an office of why I thought the value could be told at a 17-year-old. <laughs> and I told them, you're no different than a, anybody in life. You know if they can sing. You know if they can play tennis. Why can't you know if they can play basketball? And if somebody wants to pay them, why in the hell would they pay them? And the answer was, what do you think the value was? And at that time, we had a little bit to go on. By the time we went to court and all that stuff, I gave a number out. And I'm sure Chris may or may not, but I did. And they won the case. I don't know if you know that. And I don't know if the people watching in Chicago, you know, Benji's mom did get paid from the insurance company. And Benji was deprived of life. And his son just got killed in an accident. I don't know if you know that. Hold yeah, on. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So I, I kept close with, you know, the family. So that was the biggest disappointment in my life. I know we want to go somewhere else. I don't want to. No, nah, no. Nah. I, I appreciate your candor, Sonny. I truly do. And I think the people who are listening to this pod uh, know how we appreciate the game and the, the figures in the game and around the game and the history of the game. Uh, and, and Ben Wilson is still to this day celebrated as one of the Chicago legends, uh, whether it be professional or amateur. And and we all know this, too. I mean, I, I heard Isaiah Thomas say it the other day on the All the Smoke podcast with uh, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes. Heard him say that in, in Chicago and the Chicagoland area, you know, you can be the greatest pro. You can be you know terrific at your craft, but it matters what you did in high school in this city. And, and it matters who you were in high school. Uh, and Benjamin, Benjamin Wilson was, is, and is still revered as a uh, Chicago great that obviously was taken too soon from us. Yeah. And, and well said, and I appreciate what you said, Jason. And, and he was a good man. Isaiah was a good man to make that statement. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. 
If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. The moment that you meet Michael Jordan or the moment that you see Michael Jordan, what was it like and how did that relationship grow, as we'll see in this movie? Well, you mean from the Tony Romas to whatever? That was mm-hmm. that me. Did I, mm-hmm. I only saw him with Tony Romas and I never saw him again until we signed him at the, that, at the last meeting with Dolores. But what I saw that I bet my life on was what his mother and everybody around me told him. You know, Bobby Knight, you know, you know, coached him in the, the, the Olympic Games. The Olympics, and, yep. Yeah, he made a big statement. You know, even though, you know, he didn't play Bobby style and all that sort of stuff. Other people had told me, but I knew in my subconscious from the day I met him before, you know, and then when I left, that he was he was going to be my vote, whether they listened to me or not. Life would change, but I knew then. But then, from the day we signed, then that's when we became inseparable. I, I, he and I sponsored the, the camp at Elmer's together. I was his partner. You know, I mean, that's how close we were. You know, you know. And then when I got let loose by Nike, then he continued it, and all that sort of stuff. And but th- there is nobody. It was impossible. I can never replicate Michael Jordan again in my life. I'm too old to do that. But even when I, like Tracy McGrady would be the closest kid I've been with since Michael. Because why? They kicked Michael out of high school. They, the, guy, the guy lied, his high school coach. He didn't want me to take him to ABCD camp. He called my home and Pam intervened and said, Sonny, you can't listen to this guy. You've never you know, denied a kid a chance to do whatever he got to do. I took him to camp without seeing him. I mean, and then after camp, we just became, he only lasted one year. I helped advise him. To, I, I told him he should leave, you know, and go right on, go right, go. No use going to college, all that sort of stuff. And you're talking about Tracy, right? I'm talking about Tracy McGrady. Mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm, well, I'm mm-hmm. saying all these things in my life, I met people the long, that, that did something for my life. But I keep going back to the same statement. I've met a lot of the great ones. I, Kobe, when he moved, when he got drafted, I had a lot to do with him getting drafted by the Lakers out of high school. I mean, Arn Kellen represented him, and we were close friends at the time. And Jerry West, we arranged one thing for Jerry West. Jerry saw him, he ran over us and stopped the damn practice. All we had to do was get Jerry to trade up and make a trade, and he traded Volley Divock. And everything worked out roses for Kobe, for me, for life. Pam and I, Helped him find the first house him and his parents bought. You know, they lived about a mile above the hill. We lived in the bottom of the hill on uh, Palisades Drive, and they lived on the top. Uh, we used to meet Joe and Pam for Italian dinners once a week in, in Santa Monica. So Kobe, I grew this relationship with. Tracy and I got close, but I never lived in proximity to him. Right. We got closer because he, he stayed with Adidas. He was the greatest player, you know, the Adidas ever got and all that. Sort of. We signed Kobe, but Kobe left now. You have to remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now everything's changing in my life. These these incidental movies and uh, moves that happened in my life were truly unprepared for. Truly something that I, you know, you asked me the question about smart and talent. There's no logical reason for anything in my life except mm-hmm. who would have believed that the kid they threw out of school, threw in the street in Florida, ends up in the Hall of Fame. The first high school kid to go directly, you know, a lot, you know, Kevin's going to be, in, he is in the Hall uh, Garnett, you know, obviously Kobe. About 20 of those guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame. The ones that they laughed about, that they left. And the other one I'd like to talk about is uh, Brandon Jennings. Got a hell, what the hell about Brandon Jennings? Told him to go to Europe. 
you know, made herself about $3 million going to Europe, still got drafted in the, in the lottery, and all the wise guys told Jay, uh, um, Jay Billis. <laughs> the Jay Billis moment. <laughs> uh, but he, he, he did say it. You're right. A lot of guys, and, and they, I respect their opinion. They had a right to their opinion. But mm-hmm. the thing was, what no one had a really a right to do was deny the kid the opportunity. You have to understand the reason Brandon did that because they questioned his test scores. I mean, what the hell is a test scores? You know, you and I both know 10,000 kids who are pretty goddamn good that no one questioned anything. And that was right. good. I think that was what he did or not. But my point to you was they, they really beat the kid up. The, he didn't go to the draft that night because he didn't think he was going to be in the draft, uh, in the lottery. I mean, he was there. He was all ready. But all the reports, uh, Bill uh, got, uh, Duffy represented him at the time. Pam and I were in the audience. But then, then Duff called me and said, they're going to take him, you know, at number 10. That changed the world. But he overcome everything. How strong he had to be to go to Europe and live in Europe. He didn't play a lot. You got to right. a lot, but I tell you what, they Milwaukee must have liked a lot. They the net number ten pick, and until Brandon got hurt, he was a damn good pro. Yeah, damn good pro. I mean, it wasn't like he couldn't play, but there was always these people who looked at college as a. If you talked bad about a college, you sacrilege, like it was your religion. You know, and college is good. College is nice. Nothing wrong with college. My only thing is, college has nothing to do with me earning a living. I think I can play basketball or play the violin. Why can't I do it? Yeah. Well, you can go, you can go play the violin. I got a catch line in there, Jason. You can't go play basketball. There That's it is. What should the difference be? Yeah, <laughs> no, you didn't give me. Hey, sonny, you didn't give me. I'm I'm all in. I, I okay. believe that nobody should be restricted the right to make a living, no matter how young they are. And you know, we we only treat children this way, whether it be child actors or uh, kids who are prodigies when it comes to sports. I understand the growth and development that you need as a person, but I don't think um, that we give enough of the credit to you know what we see when we see genius on display. And that, that's truly what we're, we're doing. And I know a lot of people don't regard it as that, but when you're talking about the marketing dollars that are pumped into these events and the things that are surrounding some of these kids, I mean, you know, they, they ought to be able to, to, to get their piece of it as well. And uh, age restriction shouldn't, I think, you know, prohibit them from doing that. You, you mentioned the NCAA. Your, your relationship, obviously, um, has been rocky and was rocky with it. Um, now that you've seen the NIL and, and some of the, and the transfer portal, I mean, NCAA basketball, which I think, you know, has, has really, really taken a turn for the worse in terms of just the product, the overall aesthetic of the product. It's the only product with two halves instead of four quarters. And we know that's all because of marketing. Um, it has nothing to do with the basketball part of it. Um, I get tired. I call the, the tournament the, the festival of missed jump shots because all <laughs> I see all, all I see is, is swing, swing to a missed jump shot. Um, what do you think of the product right now and also the NCAA's relationship with basketball as a whole? Well, I think yes, I think I'd rather than talk about the product, I'd rather talk about the NCAA and I will with the product. Um, well, I'll say that first. The game has changed, though, Jason. The game mm-hmm. is nothing but a, it's a, it's a run and gun game. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, where you have the, the old weave about or you set a pick for somebody that, you know, whatever. The whole game, the coaching style. But the other thing is, the, the, the kids playing it started at a much younger age and they know what's happening today and their idols aren't the same idols in the form of the game. You know, college basketball, you know, was it better when, when uh, Dean Smith held the ball till the, you know, for, for a half against his opponent, North Carolina State? Was that better? No. But no one says that. What you have here is another discrimination thing. What you have here is you're watching something evolve and it's evolving because of the NIL. The dislike is not so much whether they're better or good or not good. It's a dysfunction operation because the players don't know where they're going. Are they going pro? Are they going to go to college for one year? Are they going to leave college or are they going to transfer from college and go somewhere else the next semester? Are you eligible to do all these things? These are rules imposed by the NCAA, not by other people, okay? And and some of the things like the NIL were only forced upon them to re- compensate these athletes because of the courts. O'Bannon finally won out. Alston finally won out. It was a combination of many years and many people. You know, the kid at Northwestern was certainly right in what his quest was, and they voted against him. He had the, every right in school and 
it was the wrong school. Northwestern's an academic school and all this sort of stuff. And that's great. And they are a great university. I'm not, I'm not, you know, denigrating anybody. What I'm telling you is to get back to your point, what's happened now is if there would have been common sense devoted to paying the kids the money, do whatever you're doing. But there should be there should be an, an avenue and a venue where it's weighed out because you can't have a you can't have a law that the state of Texas has is different than the state of Maine. And you mm. can't have a law that Pennsylvania that is different Ohio. They're all different according to basically the football power because football recruiting is much more treacherous than basketball. I mean, because they've been doing football recruiting for a hundred years. Basketball was always it wasn't global, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you open up the dollars. The other good thing that you didn't mention, Jason, it opened up dollars for women sports. I love when the little the girls from Fresno State transferred to Miami. That opened the first thing that there's value. Well, there's value in every human being because of color, race, and anything else. If you can earn, you can earn. To get to your point, the problem with it now is what's going to happen. I believe what could happen, and it may have happened before, and I'm not going to get into people's pockets, but you you made it worse because you gave the power to just a certain money. There's just so much money you can give to the top people. I mean, if I'm going to, somebody to give me $5 million if I go play for them for a year, I got to think about that. The school I wanted to go to, and I probably would have gone to, is going to give me two or three or $4 million. I still going to think about the $5 million. You, It's a financial world we live in. Unfortunately, Jason, and I'll address you and your audience to this. The athletes were watching, at least more more so growing up until today, because the kids are much more educated today, and their parents are much more educated. And what you see today, I didn't see in 1964. A lot of the great athletes were athletes that come through the system that Sonny helped create. Youth basketball, the ability to play against everybody. These kids know each other now. You know, LeBron knew all those kids in that class. Everybody knows everybody. It's competitive from day one. So it's now competitive. Now, the other thing is competitive is the marketing dollars. Okay. Now, how can we all go to Duke? How can we all go to, you know, North Carolina? How can right. we all go to wherever? Okay. The Blue Bloods. So they're going to win when they won before. And if they add something to the prize, and I'm not picking on these two schools, I'm giving examples of superior excellence at those two universities. They have an advantage. Well, that's not good. That's not good at all. But the advantage also lists, you know, the kids are now allowed, you know, they're, they're being forced to go spend a year in hibernation again. Okay. So now you're going to choose. Do you go? No one makes, no one talks about overtime. Well, overtime is a damn good thing for these kids. They didn't want to go to college, they go to overtime. Jason, what you're missing is there's money open, then go to the G League now. They can go. Other things, okay, they can go and sit out a year, right? Or you can go play your year. And the game has changed in a lot of ways because there's no cohesiveness to the game and to the kid. There's a decision every year. You're 16, you're 17, you're 18, you're on one team. Now I'm going to go to another school. I'm going to go to another school. You know, what they do with the, with the Pac-12 when they move into the Pac-10 or wherever they're called now, 12, I don't know. They, <laughs> they, they just took away all, all the history built around the pack, whatever that is, one on the West Coast, okay? The Rose, 10, right. the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl. Right. The Rose Bowl's a piece of crap now. Southern Cal and UCLA with the Rose Bowl. Let's understand that. That's that everything's held in Pasadena. Okay, what do they do when they don't show up? or not even a part of the Pac-10. What do they, San Diego State can now be, and I'm happy for them because they really, they, what a wonderful story there is. There's all good stories, but down now, they're transferring teams instead of yeah. transferring players, and and you're sitting there worrying about the portal. Well, shit, they just took the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what the what the conferences are anymore. I remember and, and growing up, you know, racing home to see the ACC tournament after school, right. or racing home to see the Big East tournament after school. And you know, I'm still getting used to Creighton and these type of teams being in the Big East. And no, no disrespect to them, but it's it is. Um, it has definitely changed in terms of this generation's college basketball fan as opposed to, you know, the 80s and 90s and the early aughts. So to go to your point, young fella, so I say to you, I don't disagree with what you're saying, that the portals and all that. But when I make you look at the other side, they have portals for the university. They just no, I'm all for it. 
I'm so all for it. <laughs> so what I want to say, we want to say, it's the NCAA that allows all these rules. They pay themselves millions of dollars. All they do is schedule games. I once questioned the, the guy Emmerd, who I thought was the worst uh, commissioner ever in history. I agree. I've gone through all of them. I started with Byers in 64. I, I know all these. I knew them all personally because they talked about me for all these years. But the guy got like bonuses. Jim Delaney was a commissioner of the end. I'm not talking about these guys personally, but he earns a bonus. Well, that's his job. For, to work for league and to get them television contract, you pay for that. Now you're you're, you're paying the athletes. Right. So that's that, they have a job, but you're not paying them. Their job without them, there's no league to sponsor. I never got. I can't get over this. They're only you're only watching television because you want to see these kids play. That's the only reason. Yeah. That's it. Hey, and speaking of, and, and I, you've been so gracious with your time, so I don't want to hold you any longer than you have. But Chicago basketball. And the state of Illinois, we've seen, you know, I remember there was a time where Illinois and certain schools weren't really messing with the CPS, Chicago Public School System, because it wasn't cranking out the talent. And then there was a renaissance where you get the Derrick Roses, you get the Anthony Davises, you get the Jabari Parkers. I mean, before that, obviously, you go back to the Joey Meyer, oh, the, 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 the Ray Meyer era. <laughs> yeah, where we're talking about Mark Aguirre and, you know, getting Rod Strickland out of New York and all those things. Why do you think Chicago basketball doesn't lend to more Illinois State University success? Schools like DePaul, schools like Northwestern, schools like the University of Illinois. Why do you think there's been a, a disconnect and, a you know, uh, obviously uh, uh, some kind of clear, clear lack of uh, resources or cultivating the natural resources here in this city? I can't speak for them. Jay, you put me on the spot there, but I can always say one thing to you. When, when you're talking about the Floridas of the world and the Alabama of the world, you know, the ones that down there where there's obviously a lot of division racially and a lot of other reasons, kids go there because they're pursued there. They're treated very well. And when they go there, they know they're going to get a chance to be whatever they want to be in that particular sport and do things. I think the Big Ten is, they're the same Big Ten that operated 100 years ago. I mean, the cities are the same until the growth and whatever. And I honestly believe that they believe in their mind that this system that you're talking about works. Well, it doesn't work. I mean, you know, they always get seven or eight or nine teams in a thing. There's great teams, great coaches, you know, that'll go down and live forever and all that sort of stuff. But what, what, what I've seen, because Chicago would have been my first stop in my day. The Mac Urbans of the world, you know, these guys supplied me. I had guys, you know, I, you know all the kids that I'm talking about in the 60s and 70s and 80s that played in the round ball classic. I had kids every year from Chicago. That, that was the top, in, in Detroit even, you know, you go, I went to Detroit and got guys. And you would think that, you know, they would stay, they would be given more attention to. My, my point to answer this question is, Without getting deep over my head in a in a, some sort of a conflict, and being, <laughs> being blunt, but I want to be blunt, but I don't, you know, I don't want to. I got you. I got it. you. But I'm saying there's some sort of a bias. You can't you can't be blind when you're watching a basketball player. It's impossible. You can be blind when you're watching when you're when you see a painter paint. We all don't see that painting the same way. Who in the heck would have thought Mona Lisa would have been the most beautiful girl in the world, right? She's lasted a thousand years. But my point to you is, and she wasn't, but she is on that thing because other people see her that way. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you can't see the talent in Chicago. I don't know why you would want to leave Chicago. And I think, and I, I, I know, you know, Coach Andrew, you know, I know him and a lot of my friends are going well. I don't know how DePaul doesn't get better because they're, they're basically independent in a sense. I mean, they're DePaul. And that's the one I would, they're right in Chicago. Right. right? Especially with NIL, and the biggest businesses in the world are in Chicago. Right. Do I think Catholic based? I mean, the religion thing works for Notre Dame yet. All, all the kids that go to Notre Dame are Catholic. That's what I'm sure. And my point to you is that when you go to Northwestern or Wisconsin, and you know they're 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 limited to the ability in their state. There aren't that. There are good players. There, every time we we can see some kid come out, they're really good. But they're, they're talking about in one hand. You go to Chicago, there used to be 10 hands. I, I had a problem picking a kid to play in the round ball out of Chicago because the other five kids were just as good or better, 
and they mm-hmm. proved to be better. You know, you know Patrick Beverly. Of course, Pat Bev is. I do the pre and post game show for the Bulls right yeah, now, so I, I've I've been around yeah. Pat Bev for a couple of weeks now. And it's been interesting to watch. Of course, West Side's finest. Yeah, and you and you bring up his mother. You know, Pat. I'm going to ask you again because I'm trying to be really quick. You remember Patrick Beverly? Remember Patrick Beverly? Yeah, yeah. You're actually yeah, yeah. yeah. And you see where he's on. You know how I got him on the round ball classic? How? Somebody got injured, and Mac Irwin came over to me and said, "Sonny." You got to put this guy in. He's better than anybody in the game. Not saying he was better than anybody in the game. That was a good game. There was a couple of good, really good players who played in that game. Patrick Berry didn't have an offer. When I met Patrick mm-hmm. and his mother, she came over and hugged me, and you know, and Patrick came over and thanked me. I didn't know how good Patrick Beverly was. You know when I found out how good Patrick Beverly was when he left. When he left, because he wasn't the main guy, so he didn't get the ball that much that night. But when he went to college, then he went paid dues everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. You tell them, you see them. One of the biggest pleasures Sonny Vaccaro gets today is watch Pat Beverly do his walk. Watch Pat do it, listen to his talk. That son of a gun, that's sinful coming out. What I'm getting to right now, and you can end with this today, is how the hell could he have been missed in the city of Chicago? Right. You have to be blind to miss Patrick Beverly. I can speak of that one from a personal level so I can talk about, I don't know what's happening up in Wisconsin and you know, New Mexico and all the other states, but I knew what was happening. At that time in Chicago, damn, he deserved everything he made and more, and I love it. He, he never changed. I didn't get to know him that well, but he always believed in himself. And his mother, God darn, Mrs. Arizia, Trevor Arizia's mother was that way with me. She mm-hmm. was she believing her child in. Trevor was another guy. He left UCLA as a freshman. They all laughed at him. You know, have a career. That's our, <laughs> our game. Our game is so different. Our kids are so different. Football player, you know, you almost know a guy. I mean, you, 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 so if you're bigger, alive, all that. But they're talented. It's the hardest sport in the world to play is football. I mean, there's no question about that. Hundred percent. But I'll tell you what. The one where the talent's on display because your whole body's on it, you can watch that sucker all day and you know exactly what he's going through. LeBron at 36 or 37. Somebody asked me this question on an earlier show today. I said, he's almost the same kid I saw in 18, 19. He's just a little bit older and a little slower. But the <laughs> drives there, it's the same intention of him playing basketball. He wants to beat your butt. Now he's getting his son ready to beat their butt. That's a hard act to follow. Sonny, it's been a pleasure, man. I truly, truly appreciate uh, your your time and your candor and, and the storytelling. Uh, definitely going to go check out Air, the movie. Uh, thank you for inviting me to the screening here in the city of Chicago. Um, we are going to send all of our listeners to see Air, the movie. Matt Damon playing the great Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny, thank you so much for your time, brother. I truly appreciate it. Jason, and please tell Mrs. Beverly I said hello and Patrick, okay? Yeah, yeah I, I will. That I, I will. have them for 25, 20 years, 10, 15 years. I don't know how long it's been. A long time. I'll, right? pass, it, I'll pass it along, brother. Right, Thank God you. Godspeed. Thank you. Yes, sir. Sonny Vicara right here on the Full Go Podcast. The Full Go with Jason Golf. That's all the time we have for episode 228 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Sonny Vaccaro. Make sure you go check out the movie Air. It is in theaters as this pod is dropping. We will be checking it out this weekend. I am looking forward to it. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and of course, the story of Michael Jordan and the sneaker culture that was born when Sonny and Michael and Phil Knight all teamed up to bring you the Jordan phenomenon. Uh, thank you, as always, to our production staff. The shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. Of course, the act of Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for downloading this thing, subscribing to this thing, sharing it with your family and friends, rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars that you know it needs. If not, we're going to see you in these streets. As well as keeping that voicemail line close and near and dear to your heart, 773-359-3103 is the phone number, 773-359-3103 uncensored unfiltered whatever you got your unabashed comments can go right there your thoughts on sports or pop culture whatever you got for us keep us entertained keep us informed 
right there for you. The voicemail full goal line is right there. Seven, seven, three, three, five, nine, three, one, zero, three. All right. For the boys, I am Jason Goff saying we will catch you on Thursday of the full goal podcast. We'll have some more baseball talk for you. We'll talk a little bit more about this bull situation as the play in matchup gets clearer. And we'll probably jump into some more NFL draft conversation as well. So for the fellas, I'm Jason Goff saying thank you so much. And as always, take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.